0: Well, no, I just think that if you're going to use the treadmill and crank it up to level nine, that when you get off, you should lower it. I mean, you shouldn't have to climb Mount Everest to get on a treadmill after a guy who just... Oh, hi, it's Pete Pomisano here on Off-Road and our LTP podcast. And you know, before I do anything, I should mention that this podcast is also available on Apple Podcasts, so you can subscribe there if that is your preferred way to get your podcasts on your Apple iPhone or whenever. Uh, just uh, type in off-road with Pete Pomisano. Don't type in just plain off-road because you'll get guys, you know, with ATVs and four-wheel drive off-roading in the swamps and the, you don't want that. And this week we've got Peter Johnson. Now, Pete Johnson's a guy I've known for, I don't know, 10, 12 years Well, it all started when they asked me to direct my first show at the Kavanoke. And it was A Few Good Men. And they said, well, you understand Aaron Sorkin. You understand his rhythms, the way he writes. And maybe you should direct A Few Good Men. And I said, "Okay," but I was a little uh, nervous about it. I'll be honest. And uh, so we had auditions. And in the door walks this guy who looks like he belongs in the Marines. And I thought to myself, "Okay, well, this guy is going to be good for something. And uh, he ended up getting one of the leads. So uh, there you go. And now he's kind of a big deal in the Buffalo film industry. Performing in films, uh, casting in films. And I thought, hmm, I got to get a hold of this guy and uh, talk to him about what's happening. So uh, Pete Johnson, who always looks like he's the best dressed guy in any room you put him in, uh, came down and sat down with me and we had a little lovely conversation. So I hope you enjoy this interview with Pete, also known as Traz Johnson. If you're a fan of his hip hop work, yeah, he's got that going too. And he's a writer. He's got so many irons in the fire. People think that you really know what you're doing. Nah,
1: no, nah, no, nah, we bullshit the whole time.
0: <laughs> now, your volume okay in your I'm ears? I'm good. I'm good. Okay. So, uh, Pete Johnson. Hey. <laughs> Welcome to Off Road. Wow, so great to see. You. Ten years
1: has it been since uh, a few good men? I would think so. I was, I was kind of a young guy. I'm kind of an old dude now. So. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Don't talk to me about oh, old. Man. But, but let me let me ask. You. So, so it was ten years ago. Yeah. Now, I remember auditions. I remember you walk in and said, "Okay, there's there's one guy. Right. Wow. There's one guy we got for sure. Gotcha. Uh, and after that." Um, yeah, you know I lost touch with you I don't, I don't know yeah. what
1: what what you were up to or, or what well was going you know on I had I, I was I was still working you know um throughout Buffalo worked at various theaters you know um of course you know with Scott you know developed a yeah, really you, good relationship you did something with him. at RLTP? yeah right, I did yeah. I did race here uh, mm-hmm. with myself Doug Schidner um also I did Farragut North here, oh, yeah, you, yeah, know yeah. well. yeah. you know, where uh, I started as well. You know, Scott has given me some really great opportunities and kind of just working throughout the city as well. Torn Space, I did some shows over mm-hmm. there. Recently, I would say within the last few years, um, you know, I went through some life changes, you know, got divorced and became a single there, dad. Yeah, you know, that. but yeah, um, yeah. kind of focusing also my my uh, expertise and my experience a little bit towards the film industry. Okay, you know, that, I want to
0: go, I want to get into that, but yeah. I want to go back 1st Where'd you come from? <laughs>
1: yeah, man. <laughs> I mean, are you local? So I originally born and raised. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, So you high know, high school, I, uh, high school, St. Joe's. Oh, that's right, St. 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 Joe's. Yeah, I St. Saw Joe's that Collegiate. On your, absolutely, went know. there uh, for high school. And you know, ironically, the thing is, in in uh, as you know, Pasco Fresina, like you know, he was Paschal there right. when I was yep. there as yep. well, but. I didn't study this stuff in high school. Uh-huh. I, I wasn't even interested, man. And uh, <laughs> I had gotten to a point where, I, you know, I went to uh, to college. I was kind of playing sports and stuff. And uh, I, I noticed it was one building where all of these pretty girls were going in. That always attracts attention. And I it? said, what is that building? And they said, it's the theater. And I said, whoa. I said, it's the theater. So I kind of browsed in there, and that was kind of like my introduction. And really, I'm just kind of like seeing what girls and stuff I could talk to. And of course. from there, you know, I I really didn't dive into theater then. I kind of took some, i wanted to take some lessons first. What were you, what were you interested in in high school? Or was it like all the rest of us were just— Yeah, I, I, was, I was I I was. was a football guy. Oh, of I was course. A, football of course guy, a football guy. You know, so I, I just kind of played sports, you know, from there. And— uh, You know, you never know where life will take you because, you know, dreams change. You know, at one point I had these dreams of like being a pro football player sure, and then, like, I didn't be... I wasn't (laughs) 6'2". I wasn't 6'5". Yeah, nature
0: has a way of saying, hold on there, pal. Yeah, just kind of stopped growing,
1: (laughs) you know, (laughs) and, uh, you know, picked up this uh, artistic bug, Mm -hmm. you know, and kind of grew it from there, man, and it's something that, you know, I I can't get rid of. So, who was in
0: charge at at St. Joe's at that
1: point? Um, There was a a theater guy named Mr. Diot. Oh, I know Jim Um, Diot. yeah, Yeah, Diot was there, and you know, to be honest, I'll be, I'll, I'll be hundred percent honest. He kind of noticed my artistic talent before anybody. Mm-hmm. I would take his class and, um, he would point out things. He would say your imagination <laughs> and your energy. He says, Oh my gosh, like, what are you going to do with it? And I, I just, you know, never didn't pay any attention to it back then, yeah, you know? Yeah. And then it's kind of, uh, ironic how
0: everything comes full circle. You were surprised as anybody. And you said, what are you going to do with it? Well, I don't know what, what. What am I? What What can I do what, with exactly? It? And where are those girls go, going going <laughs> over there? <laughs> right. And is there do? any connection between because St. Joe's, of course, all boys school. Yeah. So those yeah. are the girls from uh, where Mount Mercy or it was or, th- no.
1: This was actually and this was after high school, man. This was oh, after oh, high school oh, oh. where I really kind of discovered that artistic talent. Uh, and I was in in Baltimore, Maryland. I was going to a school called Morgan State University, mm-hmm. and that's kind of where they had a very small theater department, theater and dance department. But that's kind of where I was introduced to it. Did you go in for business or, or I was or going, science? yeah, for like business, yeah, for yeah. like business yeah. and, you know, just kind of trying to figure things out, you know, at the time I'm 18 years old, you, you kind of don't know any different. And yeah. as, you know, for me, I, I had practical parents, you know, where my parents are like, you know, you're you going to
0: find something that's going to get you you're some gonna money. You're going to get a job. Yeah. You're going to get a job. Something that earns you know? money. Absolutely. None you of this know? art so stuff.
1: I, I remember, <laughs> and, and my father, my father's passed away, he's been gone about six years now. And I remember... You know, as I, you know, was was doing acting and I was doing it. This was ironic when I first moved back to Buffalo. I'm also doing free theater, community theater, mm-hmm. you know, at, at yeah, that's some local where I theaters, started. Absolutely. Of and my father was like, when are you going to get paid for this stuff? <laughs> like, what are you doing? Why are you just wasting your time? Every say, father's voice ever, man. And, you yeah. know, and uh, I would tell him, no, dad, like, I you know, I got to do this. And, you know, I love it. And I kind of took it as I was paying my dues and uh you know, he he never got a chance to really see any of my film or or any of that stuff. But you know, I, I know he he has seen it spiritually. You know, mm-hmm. but not just in the physical. Yeah. But you know, I I'd like to tell him, hey, Dad. Look what I'm doing! Look what I'm doing! <laughs> exactly! I, I know I'm
0: actually can make a, right. a couple of bucks. I think. Right. Yeah, well, my father was the same way, and and he passed away a long time ago. and Never got to, he, the last thing he saw me do was playing a rock and roll band, and his his pretty much his reaction was Mm-mm, right. No, what no. are you gonna do? Man? Like, <laughs> no, you're not going anywhere, right? And he was right about that. So so anyway,
1: yeah. so then you go from what what from the college so that college, yeah, you came d- back to Buffalo. I have a—here's a, a really weird story how how I got introduced to theater. I was living at the time um, in North Carolina. This is after my first year of college. I kind of felt like, you know, I, the football thing wasn't panning out. Yeah. Moved with a friend to North Carolina. And I'm driving one day, and I hear on this, this you know, radio commercial about this um, gospel musical play. And they, like, were having an open casting call. Cool. And it had, at the time, it had some um, 1980s, 90s, like, hip-hop stars and stuff that were in it. And they were just kind of looking for for local talent. I had nothing to do. I was at a red light, and I did a U-turn. <laughs> and I said, where am I going? Okay, let me just kind of put this in a GPS. It's amazing. Found my way to this audition. It was literally uh, like an American Idol thing. It was like you know, a thousand people in line. I had enough. Uh, those are brutal. So I, I'm think I'm asking myself, what are you doing here? But meanwhile, I'm like, why am I waiting? But I'm still waiting. Mm-hmm. Finally get my chance to audition. Now at the time, um, I had just done a few independent acting lessons and lo and behold, my first acting job, I landed a role in a national nationally toured gospel play. Wow. Right. Um, and I was one of the leads. Mm-hmm. Right. And at the time we had did, um, 16 cities on the East Coast. And I was, you know, I was away for about a year, you know, almost. And, you know, kind of stayed, you know, we would stay about wow, three weeks. 16 cities. 16 that's cities. quite a tour. 16 cities. Now, keep in mind, I'm 20 years old, if Holy that, you ca- know. Yeah. Um, and, and just enjoying the road. And after that, the 16 cities were up. And, you know, everybody's kind of going their independent way. And I don't know what to do. I don't know whether I come back to Buffalo or North Carolina so um well, just quickly, let me ask
0: you. So this mm-hmm. this tour was it song and dance? Was it just Bible stories? No, what no, no.
1: This was uh, it was a it was a, like a hip hop gospel okay. type thing. Mm-hmm. You know, hip hop gospel, and it was written by you know uh, Salt from Salt and Pepper from the you know the oh, rap sure. group back in the day, and mm-hmm. it was so it was somewhat of a musical, but it was a hip hop musical. Gotcha. You know, incorporating acting and you know uh, hip hop. And, uh so that runs out you come back to Buffalo no so it runs out and yeah I come back to Buffalo and I'm saying well what do I do and at the time you know at that at that point doing a year of acting, I just got bit by this bug. I'm like, I can't, this is this is what I'm here to do. It's what I want to do. So I travel off to film school in New York and uh, I spend three years in New York. I go to New York Film Academy. I study acting and directing there. And once I graduate, you know, now I'm at the program. Okay, what do I do now? <laughs> So uh, at the time, I was living in a, a, a small apartment in New York, but my student loans were paying for my education or paying for my housing mm-hmm. at the time. Mm-hmm. And now my you know I'm done with school, and this apartment, this closet of an apartment costs like fifteen hundred a month. <laughs> so I'm like, let me go back to Buffalo. So I go back to Buffalo, and you know I'm living with my parents, and I discover this wonderful theater community in Buffalo that I had no knowledge of prior to me leaving. And I find all these local theaters and I, I'm, I'm everyone has these seasons and I'm like, it's so much work here. Oh my gosh. So that's kind of when I dive into the theater community and I start working locally and I start um, rubbing shoulders and I meet the, the Pete Palmasanos of the world and, and everything <laughs> and, and, and it's starting to feel like home yes. you know And yeah and then from there I was kind of lucky enough to uh, catch this film wave. That came to Buffalo. man. Yeah, it was yeah. really
0: weird. Yeah, we got to get into that yeah, because yeah. I, I, I'm dying to know how all that happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when you first came back, you, you you had been to film school. Yeah, right. Yeah, and so now you come back you, you living at home or living? Uh, yeah, or, living
1: with mom and dad at yeah. the time. And uh, you know, I was working. You know, I had always been in the gym, so I was working as a personal trainer and also just you know, kind of diving into. I wanted to audition as for as many theaters as I can, uh, and of course, you know, at the the Paul Robeson Theater, who you know is primarily sure. African. American actors, they kind of took a hold of me, so I did like my first four or five shows there, and then you know the, the Ujima Theater, and then I kind of started branching into other theaters. They kind of discovering this this young, vibrant, you know, African American actor in this community, yeah. you know, and and that's kind of how it it started there. Yeah. So now
0: you're doing theater, and mm-hmm. you but you've still got your mind on film. Yeah. And yeah. so how do you get connected? Because there was a time when we sort of lost touch for, yeah. uh, for several years, and all of a sudden I go to a film audition, boom, there's yeah. Pete Johnson. And I'm thinking, what? <laughs> what? What's going what, what on is, here? What's going? So yeah.
1: if, you, if you don't mind, take me back to the beginning of how that yeah. even happened, because I'm sure that's— It was a- weird, man. so, you know, for me, just, you know, kind of being—studying as a film actor, mm-hmm. you know, per se, a guy, Peter McGinnis, yes. comes along, you know, a great filmmaker out of Buffalo. I kind of—we kind of we kind of cross paths. And I auditioned for him, and the first thing he says is, you're a film actor, you mm-hmm, know? And, mm-hmm. you know, I said, yeah, but I've been doing some theater and stuff like that. And he says, oh, my gosh, like, you know, you're you're really good at it. So I, I kind of started, you know, under his tutelage, right? You know, kind of learning from Pete. Was this think, when he was doing Queen City? It was before then. Before that. Buffalo Bushido. Oh, Buffalo You know, Bushido. those days okay. Okay. he did Buffalo Bushido, then, then Queen City, then he started doing some commercials. Mm-hmm. And I kind of just kind of kept in contact with him. Meanwhile, also... When you study film, the main thing is that you're also studying to be a filmmaker. You know, uh, they're kind of teaching you to cultivate your own stories. So the meanwhile, I'm writing, mm-hmm. you know, as well. Um, I'm I'm auditioning for different things, and I had a buddy na- named John Abrahams, right? And this guy he was uh, pretty pretty prevalent in, in in L.A. at the time. He had did uh, Scary Movie. He did Meet the Fockers with Robert De Niro. Sure. This. Um, this guy was you know pretty prevalent, and he had written a script. Good friend of mine, and he said, "Hey Pete, I got this role for you. I want to shoot it in Buffalo." And he said, "Not only that, uh, you're an actor, so actors know other actors, don't they?" And I said, <laughs> yeah. "Yeah, they do." Yeah. And he says, "Well, I want you to help me cast." Oh. And I said, "Oh, okay, I can do that." You know, yeah. so it had gotten to a point. And also, I had put him in contact with uh, Stephen McKinley Henderson, sure. who. At the time, um, I was—you know—he he has known me since I was a kid, yes. right? And his son and I are best friends. You oh. know, um, I'm the godfather of his ki- his children. He's the godfather of my children. So Steve has watched me since I was like 12 years old, and he's also watched this transformation into the artistic realm. Mm-hmm. You know, so from I, athlete to art. Yeah, yeah, from athlete. So he, he's watched all of this, sure. you know. Um, and I would come to him at times for advice, um, and he's he's helped me on numerous occasions. So uh, he was just a great resource and a great mentor that I could always go back at. So when this movie came in town, I kind of told my buddy John about Steven and I said, hey, you know, he's in Buffalo and I have access to him and he's like a father figure. And he says, oh, my gosh, you know, so he I kind of connected those two dots. And then I I ended up getting several of the other local roles cast mm-hmm. and you know from there it kind of snowballed it was just it was a really weird thing because um, people were starting to see okay well it's you know I have the acting ability but I also can recognize other talent mm-hmm. you know and I think that that's you know being from the theater world we you know that their energy kind of bounces off one another and talent just kind of grows we, we recognize other talent mm-hmm. you know yep. other talented individuals so from there I kind of birthed the casting business. Um, and that was totally, totally something unexpected, yes. I'll be honest. Totally unexpected. And as the Buffalo film industry grew, where this tax credit we had here, yes. which was 40%, and more filmmakers started com- to coming to Buffalo to film, my name was being tossed around as an actor and as a casting director. Yes. And they started calling, and I was able to sell myself. And um, since then, I think I've I've cast... 11 movies that have come to the area, and I've been an actor in 28 of them. <laughs> wow. Yeah, so it's it's really been uh, just a great run, you know. And, and to be honest, um, I work more than my friends in New York and L.A., mm-hmm. only because of our industry here. So, it, and, and, and you have, there's two different models you can have, right? So, like, what actors tend to do is they'll take their, expertise, their, their, their experience in Buffalo, so I'm going to go to L.A., which is great, right? Because right. they have more to offer. However, you're also one in a gazillion, a gazillion, right? right? In in New York yep. or LA, uh, which is now you have to work three times as hard to get to get noticed, mm-hmm. versus being in a pool where um, the film is coming to town. And your talent is easily recognized, you know?
0: Well, now, because it's virtually the, the old saying about the big fish in a small pond. Exactly. I mean, and right now you're a big fish in a relatively small pond as opposed to, you know. Right. Now, but how do you, when when... For example, I noticed there was a, an announcement recently mm-hmm. that there's a film, a, a romantic comedy coming to town. To, yeah, you know. yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, so how does that, how do you make a connection with that, or do, or do they seek you out? For example, you, you had something to do with Marshall, I'm sure. I did, yes, yeah, absolutely. Right? So, I mean, how do, how does that connection happen? Does one, one
1: name call, you know, here's yeah, another so guy, and here's another guy, and it here, is. let me give you a phone number. <laughs> I, I'll tell you, that's, you know, to be honest, uh, the biggest lesson that I've learned in this industry is it's... Not how good you are. It's also like your connections and your networking. It's not what uh, you know. It's who, who you, you know. know. You know, yeah. and and if you are someone that uh, is upbeat and people want to be around you, uh, I think it's it's that positive energy, man. Where just good things will happen. Now <laughs> yeah, the, well, the way right and, and the way it happens, that. but it's it's um. So I guess the actual formality of it, how it works, is when the producers come to town. They hook up with the uh, film commissioners, and. They'll, they're asking for for leads sure you know, we need uh guys to do electric and we need sound guys and we mm-hmm. need a casting person and we're gonna hire
0: this many people mm-hmm. locally or this percentage of people locally right where can you steer us into
1: where can you steer us yeah. and it's uh, it's based off referrals so I'll I'll call um, they'll call me and I get interviewed just like anything else mm-hmm. I'll get you know they'll they'll try to find out what's my previous experience and what's been some of my challenges and what's my strong suits mm-hmm. and you know if I can sell them And sometimes, you know, it doesn't work because they will hire uh, casting directors outside of the area only because of maybe their reputation or maybe they're a bigger agency. You know, so sometimes they hire people. But, you know, if I can uh, convince them that, hey, I'm a local guy, I know the local community, I've done this time and time again, Mm -hmm. then I get a job. And, And the beauty is that when I get a job. I get to give away jobs, right? Like I get to give away sure. jobs to t- other talented people and other deserving people that may have not gotten the opportunity otherwise. And do you just hook them up with with names
0: for auditions, or do you actually set up the whole audition? Do, so
1: the, yeah, what we t- do is we do a couple thing? different. We do a couple different things. It depends on the actual company if they want me to hold an open call, casting call, I'll I do see. that, yeah. right? Or uh, it could be. I think right now where we're we're going is we're going in the the uh, realm of self tape auditions. Okay. Okay. So for actors, it's very you know that want to do film. It's very important that they learn how to self tape themselves, right? Right, because that's where everything is going now. I'm casting a movie uh, right now. Um, it's a television film called The Engagement, um, and everything is self tape auditions. Mm-hmm. So I don't have to leave my computer.
0: Yep, Sean um, Cullen. I interviewed him a couple weeks ago. Absolutely. And he, he and his wife do the same thing. He same thing. He gets scripts in the mail or via email.
1: They record him on his phone or right whatever, there. and they Absolutely. zip him out. Absolutely. Yep. So yeah. it's, you know, if you have uh, mastered the self-tape, you know, mm-hmm. how to do that, then you'll work a lot. You yeah. know, that's that's the beauty in it. Uh, and one of the things I think that has helped me as a casting director, or as an actor, rather, is... I get to see all the stuff that you're not supposed to do, right? <laughs> so, like, uh, I get, I, I'll get, I'll get oh, hundreds. It's too bad he did that. Yeah, I, <laughs> you know, I get hundreds of submissions, mm-hmm. and um, and now where do they go? What do you mean you get them? So, do you, yeah. you have your own company? I like do. A, I it, do.
0: It, it, it's, it's called it's
1: called Xavier Productions. Right. It's named, named after, after, my, after son, son? Right? Yeah. my oldest son. Right. My oldest son. Um. And you know, as a result, what what I do is I have a casting hub. You know, that people send, you know, uh their self-tape auditions to, they send their headshots to, right. resumes to. And what I what I tell you is is that I feel like prior to me being in casting, I was a decent actor, right? Mm-hmm. I feel like I was decent. Yeah. But once I got into casting, I believe I became kind of good. Right? Yeah. Only because, again, you, you learn, learn. Yep. from other people's mistakes. Same is true on the stage. You oh, my learn, gosh. Or,
0: or even commercial
1: work that you do. Absolutely. You learn from other
0: people, and you just— even, even if you learn from other people when they're being corrected by somebody and you go, right. well, I won't do that. I won't do that. No, you're I you're, won't you're do talking that. too loud. This is film. This isn't the state. I yeah. tell you, man. I, I
1: learned that. Okay. I You you learn what... I overacting. learned everything I learned. Yeah. I learned from watching other people. Absolutely. And it's, it's really just a great tool. So I think what's helped me, you know... Uh, secure, uh, you know, many acting roles that I have gotten Mm -hmm. is also just the art of, of auditioning. I tell, you so now what I'm I'm also in the, what what I'm doing now is I'm also a professor over at Buffalo State College. I'm in their theater department. I teach, you know, several courses there. Um, I teach, you know, intro to theater and then advanced acting for the camera. Mm -hmm. I teach another course called drama from the African-American perspective. But when I teach the um, advanced acting course for the camera. Yes. I teach a lot of the students that uh, if you want to work, you got to master the audition, right? right? That's the main thing. Because when I get the role, I can do all the characterization and breaking down and studying and memorizing of the lines that I want. Right. You, know, that can, you can put countless of hours in that. But when I get to that audition, within that time frame, if I can sell you yep. that I can do this, I got it. Yes. I got it. And that's the hardest thing with getting a film role. And what what kind of kids do you get for these?
0: These these are obviously undergraduate classes, but are are they people who are just taking theater courses on a lark? Or are these all kids who are really interested in, in, in... in acting in
1: the theatrical world. It's 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 a variety, right? So I get some students that especially for my intro classes it's like, "Hey, I got to have an arts class and I'm going to take this versus basket weaving, right? And I'm going right. to I don't want to take basket weaving, I'll take this intro to theater course." So I get some of that where I, I'm introducing them to the art of theater. However, they probably are not interested, and in they may never go see a play after this. But they, they're getting somewhat of a general foundation. Yeah, then, you might be the one to light the spark, right? You might. Who be. knows? Yeah, you know. Sure. Uh, then I also get some of the theater majors. You know, mm-hmm. and the theater majors uh, are the ones that are really serious about it, and those are the ones that you really have. A great time with you know Mm -hmm. because you see them grow, Um, and also I get a chance to recommend students for either film positions or even theater positions. Um, There was one of my students, David Burgos, who was in interrogation interrogation room here at at, at Road Less Travelled, and Scott called me, Mm -hmm. "Hey, who do you have you know out of your student body that could fit this? That's around this age range?" Mm -hmm. And I referred this kid, and he came and knocked it out the park. Cool, and that's just a great feeling, you know, knowing that hey. Um, I kind of helped that process, you yeah. know, and I, I kind of, you know, got the ball the, the ball rolling for his first professional job.
0: Yeah, usually when you're a teacher, you don't know if you're having any effect. You don't know if it'll be realized years down the road. Yeah. But you actually have some input into local casting options. And and you probably have your finger on the pulse of what's going on in
1: terms of even auditions. Just oh, yeah. Uh, uh, well, I get everywhere. that. I get that a lot, man. The students, I mean, they, they, they contact me nonstop. And yeah. I, I use that as just you know a selling tool to the to the college that mm-hmm. i say hey you know uh, students at Fredonia aren't getting the experience of their professor being able to put them in a film yeah. or bring them to a film set mm-hmm. or uh, referring them to a local theater. Like, you know, some of them aren't getting that experience at other colleges. So it's a benefit. You know, I, I use I that. Tell, I tell my chairperson all the time. <laughs> it's, it's a good reason I'm here. Yeah, right. Yeah, you know, because yeah. I can I can I can refer those things. And and
0: what about the movie industry in Buffalo? I mean, is yeah. it, can, you, do you feel like it's going to continue? Uh, we,
1: we've got a little bit of an upswing going yeah, the past man. few years i tell you what it's, Pete, it's who would have thought right who would have thought that for me having these these dreams and aspirations of wanting to do this that i could do it in my own backyard mm-hmm. right who would have thought that uh for it's me it's a dream I, yeah, it's a dream that you, you stayed close to oh family my gosh. Yeah. you know and and you know i have two children uh so i get a chance you know at my my oldest son who is an aspiring actor i my last commercial I, I just brought him to the set so he can watch dad work. <laughs> was that the West Her one? Yes. Yes. And he got a job. <laughs> he got a job. Of
0: I've seen pictures yeah. of him. He's pretty freaking adorable. He was there
1: and the, and the director's like, hey, is this your son? I'm Get like, this kid over here. And he's like, oh, and he gets a job and he gets a check. <laughs> You know, so he he loves it. Now, uh, how guess, old is he? Talk about your, your yeah, son. yeah. My my like oldest it. son is ten. Mm-hmm. He's done. Oh my gosh, he's he was in uh, the first purge that was filmed here oh, in yeah. Buffalo. He was in that. Um, he's done about three or four different commercials. I don't know if he really likes it yet. But I know he likes the money. <laughs> <laughs> he likes the money. That's what. Let me just say. And, okay, and I right. like it because I don't have to buy it, right? right, if, right. If anything I don't have to buy, then oh, i like, oh, you want that? Oh yeah. To take out your check. Taking out your yeah, checks. Go. Yeah, that's it. You know, you you getting paid? I'm gonna make him start paying the gas bill in a minute. <laughs> and <laughs> you have another son? I do. I have another son um, who is only three. You know, mm-hmm. three years old. Oh. And but he's already started. Um, we we did a a photo shoot recently regarding uh, babies and their feet and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if he likes it. He doesn't like the cameras and all that stuff yet, but you know, I'm I'm kind of throwing him in the pool yeah. to see if he'll swim. Right? <laughs> well, it just
0: because you have that connection and you seem to be able to take advantage of whatever thing is yeah. around you. Yeah. You've just I, I shouldn't say you're taking advantage, but you have Every opportunity that's been thrown in your direction, yeah. you, you've to managed to, to make something out of it.
1: It's been great, man. I do want
0: to ask you—I mm-hmm. I want to go on to writing and, mm-hmm. and rapping and everything. I hope, I hope I don't run out of time here. Oh, man. But I do want to ask you about the Blackness Project, yeah. the film, uh, because I, of course, uh, mm-hmm. did research on you and so on. And, and this sounds— really cool. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, just tell me your connection to it. And, and well, tell me what it is first. Tell, gotcha, gotcha. I mean, I read about it, but maybe people who are listening don't know. Tell me, tell me so, more about the Blackness Project film.
1: As a filmmaker, you know, as a filmmaker, as an, as an, I, I don't even consider, you know, for my acting ability or casting ability, I I, I look at it as an, as an artist. I'm mm-hmm. an artist, right? And as an artist, what we do is we kind of do the work that we're compelled to do, whether it's you know, one, whether it's acting, being in front of the camera, or directing, or you know anything that I'm passionate about, I kind of just do. Mm-hmm. And what I did was I, I, my partner and I, his name is Corey Green. He and I were kind of just brainstorming. We had just did a film uh, called The Romans, and it's a it's a urban version of the life of Julius Caesar in a, okay. in a film. Uh, we were in San Diego, and we won the San Diego Film Festival for best film. And we were kind of uh, brainstorming on what would be our next project. And we came across a film uh, entitled The Whiteness Project. And it was a film that interviewed 12, you know, 12 Caucasians in the city of Buffalo. And it was their perspective on uh, the loss of white privilege in America. And uh, my buddy and I, we saw the film. And, you know, part of being an artist is that you have to be objective to other people's thoughts. You you know, you got to be open to it. Right. And I saw it and I said that. This was a good film only because we hadn't heard those those perspectives before, but it deserves uh something that was not combative, but something that in response. That, in response that, that that could drive a conversation. But so they, they
0: were talking about the loss of white has that, hap- has that happened?
1: Well, to some people, it has. You know, it, it definitely has. I think right, that I, apparently you know, I missed it, but it's, I, it's all in perspective. So
0: this was in. So yours. This is like the white album and the black album. <laughs> there right, you go. Right. right? <laughs> yeah. So this is the whiteness project. Mm-hmm. So, so you, the two of you came up with this idea to do this in response. Right. Uh, and what was your intention? Well, yeah. what, was, what was the response
1: meant to be? Well, I tell you what. It was more so. It, it started off very small. Mm-hmm. It started off where we were going to do the same thing. We were going to interview 12 African-Americans in the city of Buffalo, kind of talking about the same topics, you know, but just a different, different side. However, the film kind of grew. It grew, and it's got its own legs, and it had its own identity, mm-hmm. and we ended up uh, not only interviewing people in Buffalo, we ended up going to uh, Washington, D.C., we ended up going to New York City, and then we ended up getting a sponsorship from Ancestry.com. Okay, uh, and they flew us out to Utah, and we got a tour of their headquarters, and we do these genealogy tests, and we kind of find out our background and our heritage and things of that sort. And what it, it what the film ended up growing to be is a documentary that is focused on the African American perspective of race relations, and we cover several things like uh, interaction with the police, we cover slavery, we cover just. Just, I guess, the the African-American experience, okay. you know, and where we got uh, Ancestry.com involved is because uh, at the end of all of this, and, and sometimes when you watch the film, you could get a very downward, you know, downward feeling. It's like, oh, my gosh, because... This is, you know, somewhat of an oppressed, you know, of an oppressed perspective. Of course. So you have to have Mm -hmm. some type of upswing and say, well, what's the positive in this? Well, the positive in this is that you get to identify with who you are. And there is some there is there there's something extremely powerful in the universe about Knowing where you, who you are, and where you come from, and being proud of that, mm-hmm. you know, okay. uh, and that's kind of how we we wrap the film all together about you know giving the perspective of being proud, you know, of where you come from, being proud of who you are, because again, if you don't know that, then you you, you kind of lack direction on where you're going in life. You know what I'm saying? Yes, I do. Um, so it's you know it, it's it, it the the film has been extremely successful. We were featured on CBS News early last year. Mm -hmm. Uh, CBS, you know, Jerika Duncan uh, came to interview us. She spent two days with us. You know, we have several people that have been interviewed, including the mayor of Buffalo. um, Stephen McKinley Henderson is in the film as well. And we've shown it, I would say, a total of maybe 25 times locally. And that's, you know, and what we do is the, the powerful, the, the power in that is that we screen the film. And then we also have a talk back discussion. Well, I saw that.
0: that you did that on the fourth. Absolutely. Of, of February. We it, did. It, right. So right now you, you've just screened it. It, it, locally or
1: well, no, the no. We've we've screened this kind of all of. We we were in Harlem, New York. We were in Detroit. Uh, we're also right now uh, in the process of setting up a college tour where we're accepting. You know, um, different fraternities and different organizations are sponsoring us to come down there, show the film, and to kind of do a Q and A and a talk back discussion as well. So this uh, thing that, that started out being a response to the whiteness project, yeah. did, it didn't end up being a direct. Answer to it, but it was inspired by it. It was inspired by. W- would it, absolutely. That be, would that And be we, we tried. Sense? Yeah, we we tried. You know, the the filmmaker of the Whitney of of the the Whiteness Project is a guy. He's from Buffalo. Filmmaker, got mm-hmm. it by by the name of Whitney Dow.
0: I was going to ask why is why did the Whiteness Project end up in Buffalo? Except for the fact that we're
1: well, yeah, so the segregated. filmmaker, yeah, the filmmaker hit itself. Uh, he's from Buffalo, and I think that and that was the irony in this thing. So we're gonna you're gonna do a film about the loss of white privilege in probably the fifth most segregated city in the country. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? So I, I knew all all automatically there were going to be some objective opinions in that. Right. (laughs) Of course. So that's kind of what inspired us to do it. Like I said, the film now, even though it has that title, the blackness project, the majority of our screenings are all white people. Yes. I noticed that. It's I'm telling you, it's all it's, it's, it is, but it's, it's probably the most uh, fulfilling You know, just the fulfillment. Absolutely. Because... That tells me we're going in the right direction because mm-hmm. people want to learn, you know. And
0: in the, the question and answer part, do, do, who are they talking to? You, the other filmmakers? No, what we do is is that
1: uh, a part of the interviewees from the film. We do that. We mm-hmm. also do. We, we try to have a variety of of people on the panel. So people maybe that hold position of office or people that maybe that include diversity within their companies or something of that sort. Yeah. The part the first part of this film that that we try to encourage is also listening. You know, it, it has to be if you if you're talking and you're trying to get your opinion across, that means you're not you're listening. Not listening. Right? right. And I think that that is at the core. A lot of problems with society in general is that we don't want to understand one another because we're not listening. Right. You know, we have our own opinions, our own thoughts and everyone's going at each other, but no one's listening. So and it was interesting, you know, no, I'm sure. I'm sure. <laughs> it was interesting. But but since then, the film has done extremely well. Uh, we're a year and a half into making it and we're still screening it nonstop. So you're st- you're still, are you still formulating the film as No, well? no, the film is done, but okay. we're still right. we're still actively screening it. Okay. You know, uh, anyone that wants to to, to uh, have a hosting are of it. Are you
0: expecting distributors? Uh, uh, you know, to get larger distri- distributors? We don't want it. We don't, don't
1: want, want it. No. And I'll tell you why, is that we've, we already turned down uh, a couple different distribution deals. Mm-hmm. Only because, you know, if you're wa- if you're watching something on Netflix, right, uh, it's to your discretion. You can scroll, scroll, scroll. Eh, maybe I'll watch that. Maybe right, I won't. Right. And then what happens is you watch a film, but then maybe you have, you know, someone in the room that you can discuss it with. Maybe you don't. Mm-hmm. And some of the impact is lost. So we only screen the film with a panel discussion to follow. That's the only way we feel it will be effective in that People will actually get the most out of it. So we've turned down distribution deals in order to do it ourselves, in order to include the panel everywhere we go.
0: Well, that's that's terrific. And I'm so impressed by it because it's not a film for uh, necessarily just to sit and, and enjoy and entertain. This is a film to educate and uh, to
1: to allow some discussion
0: yeah, and, and, yeah, and, and, and hopefully give rise to some discussion. I tell you
1: what, dis- it's, it's, I felt like at the time, it's what we as Americans, only because of we had a new president in office, and there was a lot of racial tension just surrounding, you know, his candidacy is, you know, him, him being in office. Oh, yeah. um, and it was something— for me as a Buffalonian that I had never felt before and Mm -hmm. I've lived here the majority of my life and I said this is something that we need to do for our community for uh, just you know American society so that people can learn just from this in general.
0: That's very cool Uh, if you can engender some dialogue about this especially as you said in the fifth most segregated city. Yeah. My daughter lives in Atlanta, yeah. and I go down there all the time. It, what a difference! Absolutely, what a difference! It's huge, man. Every every place you go, it's just everything's mixed. Everything is mixed, and yeah. here it's just it's it's just not. Yeah. Uh, uh, let me see what because we've talked about a lot. Of, oh, well, I, of course, want to get into. But by the way, it, I, I've sort of asked this question of other people. Between film and stage work and commercial work, discounting the money, mm-hmm. w- which do you enjoy
1: the most? I'll be honest, man. Uh, I'm a theater guy to heart. Yeah, I miss it so much. Um, I have been away, I think it's been maybe three years since my last production, since Farragut North. I miss it so much. You know, now being a professor at the at the college, I'm connected to it, right? Yeah, so, sure. like, it, it gives me that feeling all over again. But what I'll say is this. is that So I'll, I'll tell you a quick story. Again, my mentor, Stephen McKinley Henderson, um, had been doing theater the majority of his life. Mm-hmm. Right? Uh, right. And me as a kid, like I, I got a chance to see this. So I was living in New York. I was going to film school and um, he was on stage. He was doing he was doing a, a, a on Broadway production called Drowning Crow. At the at the time we had went to uh, the premiere. I mean, all of these Hollywood stars, Spike Lee and all these guys are there and everybody's loving Stephen. Right. They just I mean, everybody's adoring him. And we come out of the theater that night. Now, this is he's you know, he's he's just starred on on Broadway. We couldn't catch a cab. I mean, I'm talking about no one knew his face. No one cared. Right. Couldn't catch a cab. And then he had just did um, a HBO movie. This was his first movie that he did. It was called Everyday People. And I would say two weeks later, uh, I'm with his son. We're walking and there's a bus that drives by. And it has this poster for the movie Everyday People, and we see his father. His father's right there on the side of the bus, and that's when things started changing. <laughs> and I said, "Oh my god!" like, I mean, that's when it, it was. It was, you know, you could tell he was going into a different realm. Yeah, you know, and, and going up the next level. Absolutely. So I think the main thing for me was that uh, I, I, although I love theater, that film thing, man, is. <laughs> It's, it's beautiful.
0: <laughs> okay, so I want to get into the mm-hmm. uh, your writing. Yeah, and and your books. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of which seems pretty obvious to me. I can understand what it's about. The yeah. cow on two farms. Gotcha. Um, which, we'll talk about it for a second. But then I want to ask yeah. you about the other the the, the the other one, which is things your black friends won't. Come on.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so
0: <laughs> um, uh, we'll talk about whichever one you want
1: first. Here, here's but. the thing, man. Is that I started off, and you know, uh, I'm sure you were getting to that. I, I started off kind of being a music artist, right? And mm-hmm. just, you know, that's kind of where, you know, everyone calls me um, my nickname, which is Traz, and things that I well, saw let's talk about that first, yeah, but sure, you know, it, and then we'll was, get into the writing. That was just something, it was it was a love, man. It was a music, you know, and, and that was kind of like my music identity mm-hmm. uh, that, you know, uh, even as a grown man, I, I refused to to drop, only because um, kind of tells me where I came from, right? Yes. You know, kind of helps me identify with that person that, you um, has had little success and that kind of was still struggling you know so that's you know when people say hey well what do I call you peter or traz I say whatever you want to call me but you know they that that still that persona is still there yeah. that identity were you doing that for many years i was i was doing that for you know for at least you know and that was all during in what my, part my of 20s your,
0: your 20s okay. yeah
1: early 20s and stuff like that and and you know kind of writing and and i think that um when you uh, there there's a saying a lot of times when you kind of grow up in the inner city uh, that you got two ways out, whether it's, you know, through music or you got a jump shot, a jump right? Shot. You yeah. know what I mean? Yes. So mine was, you know, trying to trying to figure out my musical talent.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And um, but what happens is, is that that talent never leaves. Right, that, oh, that that artistic ability—it never leaves. You push and, it and down it, for a while. You push it down, you can there. suppress it. It's still yep. there. And uh, for me, again, I, I I try to consider myself just as an artist, not even as an actor or anything filmmaker. Um, you kind of do what you're compelled, you mm-hmm. know, to do. And so I I decided to write these books. You know, I'm in the process of writing two more, but my first one is called "15 Things Your Black Friends Won't Do." <laughs> I'll tell you what. So uh, again, growing up in the inner city. Um, being, you know, blessed enough to have the opportunity to go to St. Joe's and have, uh, you know, an eclectic group of friends. Um, there were often times where uh, I was the only black guy in the room, right? And But, you know, again, it, it, I guess it was just more so that um, it wasn't a racist thing. It was just no, you know, people would tell me, hey, there's no black people in my neighborhood, yes. you know, type thing. Right. And uh, so as a result, I used to have to educate some of my non-black friends on black culture, right? I used to have to say, "Okay, listen, black people don't do that, all right? No, I'm not. I'm, no, I'm not gonna take these these two boards and slide down this mountain, which you call skiing. I'm not gonna do it, right? Only because right. a uh, my parents can't afford it, right? Because yeah, right. skiing is expensive, yeah. and you know my parents bought one basketball, and everybody on my street can play. It, right? yeah. So. I, I wrote this book uh, to kind of, um, again, it's it's more so it's race relations. Educate, it's Absolutely. It's race fun. relations, build race relations, but it's also in a uh, comedic stand-up routine. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's all from my experience, right? And um, so I, I wanted to do that. And that book is, I, I tell you what, man, I— people love that book. They love it. But I haven't even seen it. I've heard one thing your black friends won't oh, do from you right now yeah. and and I already love it. I'm telling you I, I got to give you a copy, Pete. I, it's it's cuz you know and, and that's the funny the funny thing is like I have uh, some of my my black friends like, "Oh, I want this book." And I'm like, "But it's not for you." No. It's not for you. No, it's for your white friends. It's Which for your Indian friends. You turn friends, the page right. you go. Mm-hmm. Right, and that's exactly. there they're just mm-hmm. confirming what I wrote. And I'm like, "Okay, yeah, it's you know for other people to learn." Yeah, that's right. So funny. it's so it, it's it's really a great tool um it's you know again comedy and I think it's a a great way to bridge racial gap you know I guess racial gaps in a humorous way yeah. right so like that was my first one and then um, wait tell me one more thing a black friend won't do okay uh, and then go, then we we'll go on to the you. other one um another thing your black friends won't do is um we will not wear shorts in the wintertime. <laughs> okay and I have and, and the good the good thing about this because I, I listen I got a lot of white friends man. <laughs> All right, I don't know what it is about jacket and the shorts. I
0: I don't know what it is. Believe me, you're preaching to the choir. And I'm like, my what friend. is this, man? Because I have a couple of dear friends who are always in shorts. I go,
1: it's cold, what I, the, right? It's, it's cold. <laughs> what? What? What are you doing, I right? Your, your kneecap's just not, it, it, it's
0: not cold. Is it that much more comfortable? I don't, yeah. I, I don't
1: know. I love it anyway. Know. So yeah, I, you know, but it's it's full of those things. And the beauty as well is that uh, I also have cartoon illustrations. That, that So it's not <laughs> only just the... Um, that one the, phrase. The, right. It's, it's the, not the phrase. It's also explanation. Yes. And it's also like cartoon illustrations okay. in it. I'll, I'll give you one more. Um, and this is just another thing. I, I, I have to touch on this. So your black friends... Won't go swimming. Won't go. No, we will not go swimming. <laughs> Absolutely not. Well, why is that? Okay, let me tell you why. Well, please right. Tell so, me okay. Why educate so me because... here we go. So the first thing is, especially if you have a like a, 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 a African American female, right? Mm-hmm. Um, with our hair being much more ah. curly, right? So it takes her hours to straighten out her hair, right? Okay. So the moment her hair gets wet, it's going to curl right back up. Okay. A black woman ain't doing that hair all over again. Okay? She just took three hours to do it to get here. Okay. Right? To get to the pool. She's gonna look pretty by the pool, she's not getting in that pool. Now see that right all makes perfect sense. But to not me. only that, hold on. So then, um growing up in the inner city, uh no one had Swimming. Access to a pool. No, man. So like the only pool in my neighborhood was like the public pool that the kids would pee in. So if you if you had a mother like mine, my mother was like, you're not getting in that pool. All them kids is pissing in that pool. (laughs) (laughs) So I was. So as a result, here I am. Also, being like a, uh, almost a 40-year-old man not knowing how to swim. That's another thing, <laughs> not how knowing how. Yeah. Because it's like, okay, we don't have that. The, at, the, at the very most, uh, in my neighborhood when we grew up, in order for us to get wet, my dad had put out the sprinkler. Sprinkler,
0: run right. Or run some, right.
1: Or someone would go and, and open up a fire hydrant until the police came and told us to turn it off. Yes, yes. There was no pools, no. nobody swimming, no. you know. So that was, you know, so that that's all that stuff in the book,
0: right? <laughs> I love um, it. So
1: and, yeah, the
0: cow lived on two farms.
1: The cow, the cow on two farms, man, is um, a book. You know, recently I, I, I mentioned within, um, I, I've I've been divorced three years now, right, and. Um, it was traumatizing for, you know, not only awful, me, you it's know, it's, but it's for my children because my children were young. Of course. And uh, what I wanted to do was I wanted to create a product that could help me grow artistically, but also could help my kids, right? My kids and other kids. And what I tell people all the time is that a lot of times in storybooks, we read about Mama Bear Papa Bear. Yes. But that's not reality for a lot of kids. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, some kids, you know, right now the divorce rate is like 50 percent, man. So there's a lot of kids that grow up that's affected, you know, living in two households. Mm-hmm. So my family, a, a lot of again, a lot of my my inspiration comes directly from within my family. My, my dad was a farmer. Uh, he owned a farm in Tennessee. And um, what I wanted to do was create this fable about this cow that comes, you know, home from grazing in the pasture. She finds out her dad has been moved to another section of the farm to help that farm kind of grow. And she's very sad about it, but she has to go to that other pasture to visit her dad on a regular basis. And what she does is she goes there and she finds that it's not so bad. You know, where she takes the, the benefits, it, it, it makes light out of a bad situation where she makes new friends there mm-hmm. and she also gets double holidays now, you know, from mom and dad and she has benefits, she loves the shade on mom's farm but she loves the grass on dad's farm. <laughs> so it's it's written in the form of a metaphorical fable that kids, you know, that are that are going through this can actually relate, you know, to it and then they can see the positives out of what seems like a, a dark situation. So yeah, that, that was like, and, and that was probably the the work that i'm i'm proud of the most you know because it not only did it's it help my personal, kids right yes. it, right it wasn't it was so personal not only did it help my kids but i get a chance to go to book fairs you know throughout the country and people just they marvel at that thing man and mm-hmm. it's i feel like a genius but i'm like no i just had to go through something it, it's what a great idea it well, was, yeah,
0: you know i went through it as well yeah and it's something i relive all the time in my head and it was just horrifying it is man and, it, uh, is, it is all right so I think we've touched on almost everything. But now I have to ask you the off-road question. Yeah. Which is, uh, although I think I might know the answer, but then again, maybe I don't. And the question is this. I'd like to take you off-road for a second, Mm -hmm. off the road of your current life. But you have so many roads you're following right now, but they're all in the entertainment Mm -hmm. field. What other road might you have taken?
1: Hmm. You know, um... Again, my my father was very strict, and he wanted me to have a practical profession. He wanted me to be a lawyer. That's what he wanted me to be, only because of my personality, my ability to communicate effectively with I people. I see it. Yeah. And I remember as a kid, you know, uh, my dad used to do this thing in front of his friends. He used to bring me in the room and say, "Hey, hey, hey, watch this, uh, Peter. Tell everybody what, what you're gonna be when you grow up." And I would. And I, I, I. One time, <laughs> I got it wrong, and I said. I'm going to be a liar.
0: (laughs) He said, no, you're not going to go into politics.
1: <laughs> you know, so that and that was the thing to so be a liar. But you know, probably it, it would be around you know somewhere you know per, most likely a lawyer of some sort, just because that's what he wanted, and that was what uh, was more practical. You know, and what he saw for you know from me, you know, the, he, he saw the skills early on for me to be a great, effective lawyer. But you know, a lot of times, I man, you got to follow your heart. You know? oh, of course, you got to follow your heart. Mm-hmm. Did you ever have any interest in lying? None. <laughs> no, man. None.
0: Lying. Nah,
1: it was, you know, nothing. I, you know, um, I think it was too much studying. But not only that, I am someone that needs to be immersed in things in order for me to learn as a creative. Like, I gotta be, I, I'm a doer, uh, I, right? I
0: feel like if you were a lawyer, you'd just be, in Oh, this I'd be all box. over the,
1: you'd just be, they be trying to hold you in. Listen, I'd be dancing in the courtroom. <laughs> I'd be dancing, if the glove if the don't fit, <laughs> you must have quit. Like, I'd be doing a James Brown. And the judge would be saying, Trez, <laughs> sit your butt down. <laughs> That's what it would happen in the courtroom. I'd be, you know, in contempt right now.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Peter Johnson, thank you so much for it. being on Off Road. Was, it was really a lot of fun. Thank you. Thank Thanks. you. I appreciate it. Well, really, it's what you learned in kindergarten. You know, you leave things the way you found them. You don't just leave it up on level nine because that's the way you finished with it. Ah, uh, never mind. Oh, I thoroughly enjoyed getting together with uh, Pete after all these years. And I'd seen him around, and of course he's been to shows that I've been in, and I've been to shows that he's been in, but we never really had a chance to talk. And uh, that was that was just great. It's always fascinating to me to see the twists and turns that a person's life takes uh, to, to bring him to where he is now. And... Uh, the idea that he could. His dad wanted him to be a lawyer. Isn't that something? My mom wanted me to be a dentist, but I didn't want to root around in somebody's mouth. Come on, Mom. Wow, he's got a lot of stuff going on. That guy's, he's a doer, all right. And hey, listen, coming up next at the Road Less Traveled Theater is Hand to God. That runs March 5th through March 29th. And in connection with that show, we will have our next interview in two weeks with Adam Krudinger, who designed the puppets for that show. And it is a great show. You'll be hearing more about it from me and from others in the near future. Adam talks about how you build puppets The art of puppetry How he got started in it How it's connected to his theater career His art career His teaching career There's a lot of stuff going on But for now Once again, thanks for listening I hope you enjoyed what you heard And if you did, tell your friends And if you didn't, uh, keep it to yourself